Keeping your health a priority can be tough when you're on the road, even if it's just a short vacation, but what do you do when it's part of your chosen career? I'm Kelly Youngstrom, and this is Keep Yourself Well. From time at home in Regina to time at home in Toronto to time performing on the road as a professional musician, my guest today spends a lot of time being all over the place. Jeffrey Straker grew up taking piano lessons in small town Saskatchewan and has gone on to perform over 100 shows per year across Canada, Europe, and Latin America. If you're in Saskatchewan, you may also recognize him as part of the Telemiracle cast, the annual Kinsman Telethon fundraiser that helps people with medical equipment needs. He's a runner, a pie enthusiast, and is sure to leave you with a smile on your face. Let's get into it. Hi, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me as a guest. Well, it is my pleasure. What an honor. And I wanted to say happy Pride, happy Men's Mental Health Month. It's, I think, a very important month, all things considered health and wellness. It is. It it is. It's a, it's a big one. I mean, and it it, it it's. I mean, we, we can talk about this some more. But like, but Pride has the Pride Month in itself has kind of undergone a like I've gone through an array of relationships with Pride. Uh, you know, over the years, as I think most people probably do. And the same with mental health. I'm going to use air quotes because people probably can't see me. I'll say mental health stuff because. Um, it's something I've really only say in the last couple of years really started to, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to say really pay attention to, and it's, it's so important. And I have, and I have thoughts. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I'd love to get into the, those thoughts. And I honestly, I don't think embarrassing at all. I think I would say very much the same, like something I was aware of, but was just kind of running in the background. So let's get into that. But first I want to know just generally, how would you answer the question? How do you keep yourself well? Ooh, how do I keep myself well? Well, I, I'm just going to start saying the things that come to mind here. I think probably the first thing I'm going to say is I'm a frequent runner. So I run, uh, if not every day, every other day, I run about, not, and it's not crazy distances. It's between five and eight kilometers. It's just like, you know, not, 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 not I have zero aspirations of a marathon uh, ever. Like that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I figured out a very long time ago, like probably 30 years ago, I've been, I've been running that there's something about my head and my heart that just feels so much better after I force all that fresh air into my system and who I don't know what it is and I'm sure there's a physiological basis I don't care <laughs> but because for me it's just the the end feeling it's glorious you know and it's like this it's like I hook up to some kind of weird battery charger so that so that that's one um two is I'm a I'm a fan of a solid sleep. Um, now it doesn't it doesn't mean that I'm a ten hour sleeper. I'm not. I, I think over time it's I probably feel like seven hours is what I, what I need. But like I really gotta like I a day when I get a good sleep in like I am a I'm a high functioning human. If I don't, it's it's not great, you know. So and 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 it's funny. I guess it's funny that I've mentioned these two things because the mental health stuff does creep into that, like, you know, the, the mind churning at night. And I, and I, and it seems the more I talk about this with people, I'm not the only one who has a mind churning at night, you know, so that, that stuff can interrupt the sleep. But, but so number two, trying to get a really good sleep. Um, and I think maybe three, and this might seem cuckoo to some people, but 
I'm a huge believer for whatever reason that massive amounts of baby spinach keep me healthy. <laughs> so <laughs> I eat more baby spinach than any other human being that I know. <laughs> I like it. You're getting your phytonutrients. You're the one person on earth who doesn't just let their bag of baby spinach go bad in the fridge. No, 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 no. And I actually really like it too. So I'm not forcing it into me. So yeah. So what do you do? Sal like salad smoothies? How do you eat your spinach? I eat it like just in like raw in, in salad. So like, you know, just literally slice up some cucumbers and tomatoes. And, but it's, but like the plate is 90% baby spinach, a little bit of dressing, but you know, it's, uh, that's good stuff. <laughs> that's the secret. I think, well, those are great, but if you're looking at it in terms of pillars, well, starting with movement and fresh air. So do you always run outside when you run? I do. And I try, I've tried treadmills. They do not work for me. Rain or shine or minus 30 Canadian yep. weather. Rain or shine. I'm a ridiculous, like, and I, and I post it on Instagram to keep myself real. Like I post my minus 40 runs on Instagram just to prove to people that I'm actually doing it. Cause some people say you do not. And I'm like, no, no, I really do. <laughs> and, and I used to give, I used to allow myself to make the excuse. So I used to sort of, I, some people would say I used to forgive myself the burden of running in the, the cold and rain. And then I had this very significant sort of running slash motivational moment uh, in this very remote northern community called Resolute Bay, um, which is almost at the North Pole. And this was in January four years ago. And I was up there doing a songwriting workshop with some students and it was cold, obviously, at the North Pole. And I was um, giving myself the excuse to not go for a run. And th but there was another girl up there from Alaska. Her name's Ariel Tweedo. And she's like, she's kind of this like reality TV sort of superstar. And she's like the most energetic person I've ever met. And she's like, well, you can sit around here. I'm going for a run. And I was like, oh, I have no excuse. <laughs> and she said, I run if it's raining or storming. And, and sh that day, like she reminded me it's just water. It's just cold. It's just wind. And I run through all of it. Because yeah. of her. Well, yeah, I think it's, I say it's non-negotiable. If you start allowing yourself that opportunity to negotiate, where do you draw the line? And, you know, it's a little too cold, a little too wet, a little too this. And I always say it's never too cold. You're just not dressed warm enough. <laughs> that, I know you hit the nail on the head or, you know, because you could, you could easily then extend that, oh, I'm a little too tired. I'm a little, I'm a little, you know, where does it end? So, yep, you, you are in my head. Good for you. So, and I agree. I always actually say that I'm like a solar charged battery because it feels so different doing it outdoors. What okay. do you listen to when you run? Oh, see now. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a fan of folk and roots music a lot these days. And so what I do is I comb the, and, and I, so where this theme is going here, I try to keep it new. So I comb the, the folk music charts for North America and I, they come out weekly and I pick out a new record each time. And often I've never heard of these people. And I, I, I put them on a playlist, put in my ears and I go running. And I have discovered, obviously, you know, running every day or every other day, there's a lot of time to listen to a full album. And I've discovered so much great new music this way, you know? I love that. Yeah. Well, and it makes it more experiential to you as well, right? You're not just, it's not repetitive. Totally, totally. And then, and then, so then you touch on something else when you mentioned repetitive. Um, I had this bizarro experience. Um, it was during the pandemic and it was on a New Year's Day. So I think it was, say, New Year's 2021, I guess, is what it was. Uh, I did my running route, which is quite, quite routine, right? And for some reason that day, I decided to do it backwards. And uh, I was like, well, I'm going to do it in, in reverse. And like, 
this is going to sound cuckoo, but I saw things that I hadn't seen in 14 years. And I was like, when did they put that there? Then I realized, oh, it's actually always been there. I've always just gone the same way. And so because of that, you know, to your point, like I, I kind of learned the power of shaking up your routine, you know? So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, a, it was a big lesson that day. Yeah, for you. Well, and you travel so much for your career, obviously, as an entertainer. And so I'm sure running is a great way to explore new cities. I love running through new cities. Oh, yeah, very. And it's it's probably, I think, probably the most portable form of exercise. Other than, you know, yoga and Pilates would be very similar. But I mean, you take your sneakers and your shorts and your T-shirt, if, if it's warm. Um, if you're going to the North Pole, you take your running <laughs> tights. But um, but you're right. And, and so you can take your exercise mode with you. But I'll never forget the run I did in uh, 2019 in, in Copenhagen. And I, first of all, Copenhagen is the, the city full of the most fit people I've ever seen. I felt, I, I was embarrassed to even step out the door. I was like, who, 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 what is this race of people? Like they were all perfect. I was like, oh my God. But anyway, I was like, well, I'm going to run anyway. So I got out the door and ran and, and it, like so many cyclists and runners, it's a very fit country. Um, but I explored these neighborhoods and it was glorious. So yeah, you, I, I, that's exactly it. You can, you can cool. see the things. I mean, that's a great point, though. Culturally, you really do see the difference in societal lifestyles because somewhere like Copenhagen, there's I know there's community bikes everywhere. Every like mm -hmm. it's very walkable. Saskatoon, Regina, slightly less bikeable <laughs> and walkable with like Circle Drive and Ring Road. Like, and people, I always say, I'm like, I'm I would be terrified to ride my bike as a main form of transportation. Everybody's talking about gas prices. I'm like, Saskatoon's not designed for that but no. yeah I have vivid memories running through Scotland I looked through like Edinburgh and Glasgow and I even oh. can know some of the songs I listen to because that like the, it's like all the amygdala and like the musical and emotional and physical connection is so strong so I think it creates these really vivid memories when you're traveling through different countries and like you said the convenience of it you can take it anywhere yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm and yeah, I'm so and I'm going on a tour in uh in England this November. You know, as long as there's no more resurgence of a pandemic or a further outbreak of monkeypox or you know the uh -huh. world will explode, whatever. But I'll be going to England, and I, I've already sort of thought about you know started googling like running in these places I've been. You know, because that that I'll be to because it's I I enjoy it so much the exploration. Yeah. And it's part of your lifestyle, right? Your those are the daily prescription habits. I call them in sleep. Of course, with travel and like going through different time changes, I'm sure that can be a huge challenge and exercise actually helps reset your circadian rhythm. So you're probably doing yourself many favors within that. Yeah. And yeah sleep is essential. The, um, and of course, related to that too, when, when one is traveling, the sleep and the mental health and all that is like, we spend a third of our time anywhere in a bed and then you know third to a quarter whatever and when you're traveling it's an unfamiliar bed almost every night and so then i do find that a, a, a good like pushing myself on the run just plays me out to just sleep better so it's a bit of a antidote yeah. good for you that's all amazing advice and all things that i preach to an annoying extent especially good, good, so, good, good. um okay well i wanted to come back to pride because i think that was a great way to kick off so it's pride month in canada for those who don't know i hope everybody knows that and you're a proud member of the lgbtq community how mm -hmm. important is the month to you and talk about that kind of transition that you feel like you've had personally with pride if you're so inclined yeah yeah well i mean the month is really important um uh each festival uh, and parade in particular is really important. Um, I think 
there's there's work to be done. There's work to be done, and there's particularly work to be done. Uh, I mean, there's work to be done everywhere, but I think there's more work to be done in the smaller places. And I would say Saskatchewan is chock full of these smaller places. You know, um, small towns are less familiar with people from the LGBTQ two S plus community. Um, even Regina. I mean, I'll tell you something that happened to me uh, a week a week and a half ago is I got home from a showcase in I was away in Missouri for five days. Got home and Pride Month was coming up, so I hung up my Pride flag. And whether it was coincidence or not, I don't know. But I woke up the next morning to find a rock had been thrown through my front window. So, you know, I want to tell myself it's a coincidence, but it's a bit too much of a coincidence. Um, So so even if that hadn't happened the year before, someone stole my pride flag off my house, you know. So these these things happen. Um, And and uh, there was a funny there was a funny thing that happened. And and I'll I'll get back specifically to your to your question, of course. But by way of an example, I put on I tweeted on Twitter that, you know, hey, I showed a picture of the rock laying on my floor and, and and the pride flag in the background. You know, there were a lot of uh, retweets and comments and all those sorts of things. And people were very sympathetic and, you know, people were angry and all these things. But one woman, of course, there's always one. She's like, I can't believe you're painting Regina in such a bad light by saying, you know, I said something like, oh, Regina, you know, why, you know, uh, I I shake my head or something. She's like, you can't paint this, the whole city in a bad light. And And I was like, it's really funny that what she, her reaction was, instead of being like, wow, someone threw a rock through your window by your pride flag, that sucks. She's like, stop making Regina look bad. Yeah. And I was like, I, to me, that signals that there's work to be done. Like, you she know, was, like, she missed the point. She was the one who <laughs> threw the rock. Thing. <laughs> I know. But oh. all that, all that to say, there, there's, there's a lot of work to be done with, with yeah. pride festivals and pride parades, and especially in smaller locations. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, for several years living in Toronto, mostly, and then had a lot of time when I was back and forth between Regina and Toronto, and I'm more in Regina now than anything. And Toronto's funny because it's got this massive pride festival that draws well over a million people to watch the parade. And, you know, they, and it's a very pink city, I'll say. It's very queer friendly, um, probably less so to trans people. Um, there's, there's, there's certainly issues downtown with, uh, with people in the, in the trans community have experienced. It seems to me like in Saskatchewan, and having done some work with Camp Firefly, for example, for LGBTQ to us plus youth, um, you know, these kids come from, or these kids to teens come from small rural locations, and, and they came to this camp where I was doing some some expression work through songwriting. And I mean, some of them, um, it was the first time being in the majority. Like, you know, they'd never, they'd felt a suppressed minority their entire life. And I mean, it's, it's just not, it's not good. You, you don't probably have a great, your, your chance of growing up secure and, and strong are lessened by feeling thwarted your entire life. So we, we got a lot to work to do, a lot of work to do. And so I think the festivals are great. For me, like I used to, you know, march in the parade and wave a flag and all that stuff. And, and now I'm sort of more inclined to do what I would call is maybe sort of soft activism. So, you know, when I do a show, uh, like, and, and it's not just at Pride time. When I do a show, uh, you know, if I have a song that came from, a, a say, a, a queer theme sort of thing, I talk about it. And you, know, you talk about it like it's just another thing. And to me, it helps to normalize yeah. it. Because um, I'm a believer that the more allies you can build like to me the point of the parade is building allies the point of the festival is building allies and yeah it's a it's it's certainly it's cause to celebrate but to me the objective and i'm sure people disagree with this but my objective has always been we want to gain allies and supporters through these 
activities and actions. And when people see, people see a, a rainbow flag going up at the legislature or the city hall, like hopefully people realize, oh yeah, like it's not so weird after all, you know? So um, I, I've, I've kind of gravitated from being, you know, the rah, rah, rah guy at the parade to sort of a year round soft activist, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I has mean, a lot of thoughts. I mean, I'm just sort of no, that. I think that's beautifully said. And I, I would argue that that's very hard activism because it's so active. And I think storytelling is one of the most incredible ways to do that, right? And when you say normalize, I mean, as a cis straight woman, I'm, you know, so guarded from all of this to hear a rock thrown from your window. Like that's such an aggressive, scary thing where like you legitimately could have been injured and like that's a, a very strong statement and it does just show how far away things yet still are from you know where they need to be but I think talking about the songs before your shows that probably creates such a connection with the audience and the people listening to them so coming from Regina which did you grow up right in Regina no I actually grew up in a small farming town north of Regina Oh, so like, yeah, very rural. So like 300 people, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You got me beat. We're five. I'm 500. <laughs> Where are you from? Elrose. Okay. okay. I, I was just through Elrose. I, uh, I'm from Punishai originally. Wow. So what was that like being a young man growing up in such a small rural community where similar to these kids now, even in a larger city who are coming to camp, I'm sure you were feeling very alone in that community. Yeah, so the the now the the difference was that like we're talking you know 25 years ago. I mean, I I knew I was different. I didn't know I was gay. And the, and I didn't like I, if if it were today I would have known I was gay cuz you know you can google it at the time. Like we have to remember like there you, there really wasn't a lot of internet's going on there even really. Um so I you know I knew I was different, didn't know I was gay and the one guy in town who was kind of presumed gay, you know, they used they used the f word. Um uh, you know, he, he was, he was talked about very derogatorily, um, you know, like it was awful really when I think about it. So even if I, I didn't know I was gay, I certainly didn't want to be that because if that's what gay was, you know, the guy that everyone talks down and puts down and, and calls a creep, like I didn't want to be that. So probably I wasn't gay, you know? So, so I would say my teenage years, cause it probably took me until pu puberty to really realize I was like, you know, different. I, they were it's not that they were hard, they were just kind of confusing because this thing that I probably thought I was, I kind of maybe didn't want to be because I saw people's reaction to it um, or the way people treated that. Uh, it was when I got to university and sort of discovered other more like people that the process of coming out sort of, you know, it, it started and it was in third year that I that I ultimately came out. And But I think the kids, for example, that you referenced that, that I would have, I ran into at Camp Firefly, they're the me's of today in these small towns. They do know they're queer. Some of, like, some of them know they're specifically identify as non-binary or gay or lesbian or some are identifying as trans. You know, they're, they're all across the spectrum. So they know this. Does it make it easier in some of these small towns? No. You know, it's just that they, they do know what they are, but it's still a challenge, you know? Right. They have that self-awareness. Well, yeah, speaking like no social media even, which I think could totally be a hindrance at that at any age, as you just had, you know, a negative comment, which I'm sure you don't you you know, we all receive at some point, whatever the yeah. topic is. But, you know, it also leaves that room for connecting with like minded people, I think, you know, arguably, especially for people in a really small community where you can see beyond your own community. So for you to not 
have had that, like what a different world than what we're living in now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's funny, like the, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the, 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 some of these, some of these kids that, that I ran into at, at Camp Firefly and, you know, we had some real heart to heart times. They, there was a real struggle, like sometimes with people in the community, sometimes with their parents, you know, and, and, and it's all part of the same problem. It's like homophobia is literally by definition, an irrational fear of homosexuals, you know, and there's, and there's transphobia and there. You can all, there should be a new word, queerphobia. Maybe there is or isn't, I don't know, but it's this whole People just think it's so weird and out there. And some people think it's made up, you know what I mean? So, so the, they, 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 they fear this thing that they know nothing about. And it's an irrational fear. I mean, it literally takes exposure and education. Yeah. Yeah, you're not so scary. <laughs> but it's ignorance, right? Like it's it's ignorance, which is why I'm, I'm really grateful to have you on the podcast, especially this month, just to, to have those conversations and introduce, you know, the people who need introduced especially and yeah so what what was one thing that people did or said that made you feel supported when you came out and even though you were kind of removed from your smaller community at that time being in university did you still feel kind of the rural judgment or were you okay with embracing that journey i mean i'm sure it's was ever changing no, it's a it's a it's a good question because even though I, w- I was I, you know I was in university and in fact I, I did my first two years in in Saskatoon second year I like was like I was like tiptoeing out of the closet but third year I was I went to university my third year was in Ireland in Belfast in Northern Ireland and yeah. so it's amazing what happens when you plop down in a foreign country for your third year of university when you realize all of a sudden that nobody knows anything about you <laughs> you get to basically reinvent yourself so coming out was actually quite uh, was was better was was like, you know, because so much was new that like, you know, it almost enabled uh, a good clean coming out, you know, but then when I got back to Canada, the rubber hit the road for my fourth year because I had decided that, um, and it was actually the year after that when I, I mean, I, I was sort of more out at university, but the it was the year after that when I moved away from my first job, I moved to Toronto. I was like, you know, I really want everyone to know. I can't like, because hiding it became a lot of work. Like it, it's really time consuming actually. And there's like, there's a, there's a, there's a way of looking at it in terms of like the total amount of productive energy you have in a day. It's, it's a fixed amount of time. And if you start spending some of that time thinking about which lie you're going to tell about, you know, to make it seem like you're not gay. I mean, it's just, oh, it's I mean, you can't use for real things. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yeah. it's, so I, I became cognizant of this and I was like, oh, I just have to come out. But then I wanted everyone to know. And so I told my brother and sister, they were totally cool. Told my parents, my mom was very fine with it. And she cried and cried. And I didn't know why she cried until I didn't ask her, you know, until years later, I asked her. And it was the most um, selfless thing. She said, like, I'm your mother. And I can't believe I didn't know. She's like, I'm the person who's the closest to you in your entire life. And she said, I feel like a bad mom because I didn't see this in you, you know, um, which is so crazy for someone to have that judgment of themselves. You know, like it says a lot about about her. But um, but there, so that was beautiful. My dad, you know, a rural farmer um, wasn't so cool with it, uh, wished it wished it wasn't so um, he's come around. He's come around. But it was hard for him at first. I'd be lying if I said otherwise. Um, and then it came time to tell my grandparents because I wanted everyone to know. Like I literally made an Excel spreadsheet of everyone and I was like, had their email addresses and I was like, everyone must know. And I was checking boxes and I sent out these emails and I, I set up time. So I was like, you know, you can, you can ask me any question you want. Like, you know, here, here, you know, here. And we set up time so everyone could have a time. And it was pretty great. And um, my, a lot of people were like, 
don't tell the grandparents. Like, don't tell your grandparents. And I was like, well, just so you know, I'm going to tell the grandparents. So whatever you need to do to get ready to prepare yourself for me telling them, like, go do that. Because, like, I, I got to tell them. That's all there is to it. And so then I told both sets of grandparents who were, you know, in their 80s, I guess, the late 70s, early 80s at the time. And they were all so fine with it. Like, just like, whatever. And by the, like, two of them were like, I kind of knew. Uh, and then the, the, the two who didn't, they said, oh, yeah, you know, like, love you regardless. Uh, I'm going to learn about this. I'm going to, you know, get some books from the library or do this. And like, it was so, so re like perfect that then everyone else felt kind of dumb. <laughs> because <laughs> the thought was that, the, you know, the oh the old people, we need to shelter them from this horrific news. Yeah. And then but they were like, yeah, whatever. And it was pretty great, you know, pretty great. You know, maybe not giving people credit enough for being able to adapt to something that really doesn't affect them, you know, in the grand scheme. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And that's the thing, like it's leading with love. I think that's amazing. So, I mean, I know you're, you're kind of shifting maybe the way that you celebrate, but is there anything specific that you feel like you'll be doing to celebrate this month in particular, or just going about your normal, what do you call it? Quiet well, advocacy? I'll, I'll I mean, so I'll be in Regina when Regina's Pride Festival is on. So I'll go to some of that. So I'll go to a couple of events. Probably the I'll watch a little bit of the like watch a little bit of the parade from from the curb and and you know cheer for some floats. Um, have a beer in the beer garden. Those sorts of things. Just you know, sort of be present because everyone's sort of present, you know. Um, but probably not a ton, you know. That like like it, it's it's a pretty to me to me. I've sort of I, I've I've shifted it from being, um, you know, celebrating vociferously one day to, to sort of just being quite out every day, you know? So, so to me, it's, 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 that's kind of where the relationship has shifted to the day or the week. Whereas I'm like, yeah, well, I've, I've, I'm comfortable enough in my skin now that I'm kind of really gay all the time. I don't feel like I'm any more gay this week, you know? <laughs> 365 type of situation. But I think that's a really great Point. And, you know, I, I mean, I always think about it from, I see just so much of the marketing perspective of, you know, brands really going hard into the rainbow paint for, you know, this month and, and all of these things. And I think it can be taken both ways, you know, like, yes, being that advocate every day of the year, no, no matter what the cause, you know, if it's pride or any other beneficial, you know, belief that you have, the 365 goes a lot farther, I think, than, you know, the applied consistency over time. I think I think so, and, and I'm just thinking as you said that, like uh, about four or five years ago, I wrote a song called "The Echo," and it was about my changing relationship with with Pride parades, like the parade itself, mm -hmm. because to me, it's not a problem. I mean, we need the parade. Um, <clears throat> the problem with the parade is that everyone gets out on the street for four hours, then goes back in the side, and and and, and during those four hours, it seems like the world is like. Be queer. It's okay. And after those four hours, you're, 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 it's kind of where it was, you know, like, and, right. I, and so the song, the echo was about the idea of the work, like how loud that parade has to be to make the echo last a year, because 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 it's true you know like we, we we do have this big celebration and it's absolutely necessary and, and i'm glad that say in regina the queen city pride um committee people they have like rainbow banners flying from the light posts and things and that's that's great but um you know you do hear of homophobic incidents outside of pride week or pride month you know and and so um uh yeah the the, the week has to work very hard yeah i like that that's a great way to put it. And I'm excited to listen to that song. I'm going to listen to you on my next run. You've oh. my inspiration for my next run. So, well, moving on from 
pride into mental men's mental health month specifically. I mean, I know you already touched a little bit about on taking care of your mental health is kind of part of your normal day today. Do you feel like you prioritize your mental health just as much as physical? Is there anything else you do? Has therapy been a part of your journey? Has that been something that you brought into your life? Because I know you said the last couple of years, it's maybe been more of a focus, the mental side of things. Yeah. I um, So I think part of what I realized, I think what helped me realize mental health was like more of a thing than I was believing it was a thing with me. And like I said, it was a couple of years ago when I started to really tune into the the notion of mental health. And I think you said it's, 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 it's that's probably around the time when it, it sort of became more of a thing for many people um, for, you know, it's where we're talking about it more. It actually came from physical health. And I realized through my running, if I, if I had gone through times where I was like too busy for a couple of days to not run, I just realized the difference in me, you know, and, and I, and I really realized it's like, it was all, it was in, it was my head and, you know, thoughts and clarity and sluggishness and all these things. And I, I, so I just, I, I sort of became so cognizant of mental health through physical and with then, then with mental health stuff, I mean, I have had therapy, um, done a lot of work with, with, with a therapist. Um, I've done it both in person and then with that same person online, uh, during the pandemic. And strangely, uh, I felt both to be exactly the same for me. I mean, some people would, I think, would have maybe found that they don't like online therapy as much. They want to be in person. But I really found it was the same result. I mean, there's this amazing power. I think the entire therapy, like, industry, if you will, because it kind of is, but it's a good one. Um, It's built around the idea of hearing you say things out loud that you've previously only let rattle around in your head. And the power of hearing the things come out of your mouth from another human being, it's its almost ridiculous. Like what that unleashes in you, isn't it? Like, I'm, I, I'm, I don't know if you've done therapy. Yes. And I, well, I talk about it quite a bit on the podcast and I actually prefer virtual therapy. I, um, I'm like, I would rather sit at home in like the comfort of my home and not have to worry about yeah. like crying in front of like, you know, I'll still cry in front of someone, but like, don't have to physically be like, here's a tissue. <laughs> like my cats here. It's just more comfortable for me, but yes, absolutely. And to communicate, to, to force yourself to have to communicate it in a way where someone else can understand it or try to make sense of it to someone else. Because I think when you're doing the rattling around in your own head, sometimes it's like a hamster on a wheel. Well, like you said, even the racing thoughts or the thoughts before bed, right? Like sometimes those are repetitive thoughts. So saying them to a third party can be helpful. Oh yeah. And I mean, um, I, I work, I work, I work through a lot of stuff. I mean, um, it, it I, I'm such an advocate of, of therapy. It's like, uh, they should, if they ever needed a, someone to make an infomercial about it, I would do it for free because it's, it's been really liberating for me, you know? Um, and it's one of those things, if anybody out there is considering it, it's one of those things that I would put in the folder of, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and once you do it, if and I've, I've never heard anyone not say this, once you do it, you're like, Oh, you know, the, the relief is unbelievable. Yeah. Well, and I think I say all the time, like we often think of therapy and I would say arguably probably even more so for, you know, men, I think we've got a lot of work to do with, um, like the expectations we have on men and their mental health. So male or female or anything along the spectrum, 
proactive therapy. Like we, you don't have to be at a crisis. No, you can be actively doing the work. And so I always say like anyone who thinks that they don't need therapy, I guarantee you'll get something out of it. Like everybody can benefit no matter where you are in life. And I actually started going to therapy when I was at like one of my best states, like totally healthy. Everything was generally fine. Like no dramatic emotional stuff, as you said, going on. And I was like, I just want to see what I can get from the experience now. And I use it as a monthly check-in for myself, honestly, because it's like life is busy, kind of like checking in with everyone else. I'm like, at least once a month, I know I'll schedule an appointment to sit down and be like, okay, where's my mind? What's going on? Is there anything that needs worked through? So I think there can be many purposes for therapy as well. I wonder, like, I wasn't like you. I wish I was. I, I kind of waited till I had a bit of a crisis to deal with that, <laughs> that I did it, you know. But I'm sure there's many ways in, you know. Um, <clears throat> I'm way more, now Now I understand the power of maintenance therapy. I get it. But that, I didn't, I wasn't able to get myself there without really feeling like I need something. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine who's a big therapy advocate suggested it to me. So that's why I did it. Either way, I, I found my way in. Uh, I'm sure everyone finds their way in. You touched on something though that's really important, which is this notion of like men, particularly men's, uh, the expectation on men and and the way boys are raised. Uh, I think it's shifting a bit now, but I grew up on a farm near a small yeah. town, a rural Saskatchewan. Um, and I, from what I can see, <clears throat> this hasn't changed a ton in that like boys should keep a, keep a stiff upper lip mm-hmm. and um, suck it up and get on with it that you know that's how i was raised oh, yeah, um, totally. the boys don't cry right like boys don't cry farming mentality yep and i mean and i see it like i see it like say say the my dad my my, my parents that generation of people i mean i i see it in them i'm, I'm like oh man if this generation could have had therapy <laughs> well, well i think i don't know the statistics so i shouldn't like over speak but i know male farmers have an incredibly high rate of suicide yeah. How many lives could have been saved by having a conversation? Yeah. And it is, it's, it's funny, like, like we're having this conversation. It's funny, like, even though now this is all quite, you know, well-known stuff, it's amazing that like, there might be kind of like a helpline here, a helpline there. No one really knows the number. Like, you know, like, like keeping your, the mental side of you healthy is, we all know it's so important yet as a society, you know, we don't have mental health clinics, you know, like we have health clinics, we don't have mental health clinics. And it's funny, it's only when I get into a conversation like this with someone like you that I'm like, why don't we? I guess it's because it's expensive because we all, we all know we should have them. You know, but it, why, is, why is healthcare covered and mental health care is not covered? No, same exactly, way. right, yeah. exactly, yeah. And, well, and we, and we leave the health, we leave the mental health care part up to uh, general practitioners and nurse practitioners who really probably, it, it isn't a slight to them because their training was designed by society. They, they've had one elective in psychology or psychiatry and it was pretty rudimentary. And then these people go to them with their mental health problems. They have no idea what to do other than maybe, maybe prescribe a pill. And they don't, you know, they don't know, you know, like it's really, it's, 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 it's terrible. I... I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I don't know if you know this, I'm actually working on my master's in public health right now. And these are the reasons why I'm like, we need the the things need to change like the, and so I've been very passionate about the like physical health and nutrition side of things. And even the work I want to do there, I'm like, until policy changes, I can't ever do what I want to do. And that relates to mental health as well. And if we know, we know how much mental health affects our physical health. So if the healthcare system was 
covering mental health just as much as physical, we'd be saving so much money. And and even trauma response for mental health, people are getting turned away at the door. The resources aren't there. And, you know, there's just so many like resource and fundamental problems. But again, like that's why these conversations are so, I mean, sorry, I'm already interrupted you because I just get so excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Things need to be done. And, you know, having these conversations year round, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and just like the one, one uh, addition to that, because we've touched on this, like growing up in a rural area, uh, I personally know several families where there was, you know, the, the male breadwinner was in a crisis, you know, like suicide was contemplated. Like I personally know several uh, Mm -hmm. farmer people, you know, um, and I'm just one guy. So like, it's, it's a big thing. And, and, and not just in, in, in the rural areas, but like, of course, in, in cities too. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent, but, but, but back to the things, you know, that, that I'm doing, um, like th- therapy has been a, has been a big thing, but the physical stuff I talked about earlier too, with, you know, sleep and nutrition and exercise play a huge part. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I was going to just mention too, substance abuse within the rural community as well, because the resources aren't being shared. And yeah, for yourself personally, I mean, I, I think about it all the time. I think about it like taking a prescription really. And I mentioned that prescription language earlier, but I move every day and I get my sleep because I know my mental health is not where it needs to be. If not, I'm not the best version of myself. So it's not, do I want to exercise today or not? It's, this is like taking my vitamins every day. Like it's, I just do it. It's a routine. And you've built it to be part of your routine that goes with you wherever you go, which is amazing. So speaking about routine, obviously the entertainment industry was hugely affected by, well, I loved your list of things. You're like COVID, monkeypox, <laughs> insert whatever other thing that could be coming down the pipe. But so I'm sure that was a big challenge for you. I would imagine keeping yourself, you know, mentally well with the stress of that and your normal routine and I'm sure schedules falling off. So what was navigating that like, and how has it been transitioning into a little bit more normalcy now? It was a, it was a really interesting experience for me. And, and I mean, I, 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 like the mental health plays into it. I mean, but also um, I, gaining a new respect for what it is that I do and for who I make music. So um, when the, when the pandemic hit, I was actually, on tour in the Okanagan Valley in BC. So we had to scoot home because that all came to a grinding halt. We did, we were able to finish the last show by Hooker Crook and then we got on the road and came back. And then it was March 17th and, and you know, the world imploded. And so no one knew what was going to happen. And I was pretty convinced that if we just waited a month, we'd, it would all be, would all be done. You know? Wait it out. <laughs> just wait this out and all like we go. That, that shows a lot about your optimism. <laughs> Surprise. But then, you know, obviously that, that didn't happen. And then this weird thing happened in the music business where we started to do online shows. And at first, those were a bit of a disaster because no one really knew how to do them. Um, but then once I got kind of organized about it and was doing these regular Facebook live shows and uh, Instagram live shows, I found that the, my fan base, I'll call them my musical followers, whatever we want to call them, uh, you know, because I was making no money. I had, I had no way to earn an income. I mean, you know, I, I could have, I, I could have, I was ready to go out and do something else. And I was like, I'm going to give this a try. Um and I would put up a donate button and people like really supported me. Like, and they were doing, they were sending me messages saying, we want to help you pay your bills. We want, we want to help you. We want to get you through this. And it was so beautiful and so generous. And I was very well aware. No one had to do this. They were doing it because they chose to. And it really, I've never ever 
more than in those two years kind of understood what it like what what it is that I do and that that it actually makes a big difference because you know the people would tune into these these concerts and it was kind of the it was it was their only way they could get something kind of live was on these weird you know streaming things and because they wanted connection and I wanted connection you know and, and we were we were using the technology we could to get a connection and people were messaging me saying how much they valued it, you know? And um, it, it wasn't any kind of like ego boost or anything at all. It was, it, for me, it was, it was just this understanding. It was like, oh, like, this is really a, this is a, this is a necessary service I'm providing in a way, you know? It was, it was a really neat discovery. I think that speaks just so much about the power of community, you know, like the community that you've built. And I would imagine because of the conversations that you have at your live shows. And I mean, that's just incredible. I'm so, I'm so thrilled that you were able to wait it out and that your supporters, you know, came to do that out of curiosity, what would you have been seeking out if you felt like you had to, I've joked before and I feel like I need to stop saying it because I don't want to like manifest it, but I'm like, if I had to, like, if whatever happened and you know everything that I do now disappeared today I'm not beyond like being a barista working at McDonald's or Starbucks to start from the bottom if I had to do something luckily I've got some degrees in my back pocket which I'm like I have to fall back on something but you know did you have anything in mind that you would seek out I'm sure like music lessons and things there's so much you could offer well I I I did realize I could uh, do online piano lessons I I have like a degree in piano so I was like I could teach piano lessons not that you need a degree to teach but I mean I I felt like I had a a credential and so if I had to do something online that's probably what it was going to be but then I, I also thought honestly of going to work on a farm somewhere near Regina farms need laborers I grew up on a farm I mean there's things I could do so uh there were there were options you know but 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 doing music really it really worked through the pandemic in this online way now related to this though it's not like it stayed rosy the whole time people and this speaks to our our need to connect as human beings people's ability to find connection in an online way really waned and you can't blame anybody it's because I think due to our nature I think and I don't know what the biological reason is for this but we need the presence of a human we don't only need the image of a person on a screen we need someone present so the online concerts really did wane it took about you know eight months or so eight to ten months and you could just see the attendance really dropping off and everybody was experiencing this everywhere and in a weird way I was glad because I was at first terrified that online concerts were going to take over the world of live music. I was like, oh my God, this is the Canary in the line, you know? And then, and then when I saw the audiences online, Wayne, I was like, darn it, but thank goodness, you know, like, it yeah. was, it was funny. Yeah. So when was your first in-person live show back again? Well, um, it would have been actually the summer of 2020. I, uh, made some lemonade out of the lemons we were all handed. And I realized that with gathering limits in Saskatchewan and, uh, and Alberta maxed at 50 outdoors, um, that, and with distance required, I could do a concert in a backyard. So I, I, I reached out to this, this group of followers I have in my email list and I set up about 30, like it took no time. I set up about 35 shows. Um, through the summer. And then in this, then last summer, I did the same thing and it grew to 55, 660 shows in the summer. I mean, I was so busy. It was crazy. You know, there were small shows, but, but the connection you can make with a small group of people in a backyard or a park, some of them were in a park. It was really beautiful, you know? And, and there was a thing I'll never forget was a show in Saskatoon in a, in a, in a backyard. 
where I saw people, it was their first live music experience in, you know, about a year and 18 months or so. Some people were, were crying. They physically had tears running down their face. And I got to talk to them at the break because, you know, it's so small. And they said, I forgot how it felt. And they were, you know, delighted slash mortified that it had been so long they kind of forgot how it feels to be moved by music, you know? It was so pretty beautiful, you know, scary, but but beautiful. Yeah. Oh, that is beautiful. I mean, and it shows too what you do. It supports people's mental and emotional health. Music is, I think, fundamental to my well-being, like in a very important way. And it is scary how quickly I think we started to normalize and I think potentially out of like a survival mechanism like almost started to normalize that virtual component and got really comfortable almost like not having those live things and but I'm so glad you're back amazing and yeah I can't imagine how special those shows were for both you and everyone in attendance to have that like small intimate gathering and it shows how resourceful you are as a musical entrepreneur which I really appreciate it was it was really fun and of course now like now our last Last weekend or two weekends ago, I did, I was, you know, we're, we're kind of back indoors with, with most indoor shows being masked, you know, and some of them are still checking vaxes and all those things. But, you know, we had a pretty big show in the, in Dark Hall in Regina, and it just felt so great, yet kind of unusual to, to, you know, to do this show with a grand piano in an actual proper theater. It was, pre- it was pretty great. And, and people, people were really into it. Like this idea that you could tell people were like, oh yeah, back in a theater, like this is, this is, you know, this is. This is what I was kind of the last thing I was looking for when I was in that backyard. Like, you know, this is this is the real deal. So it was it was it was really lovely. Did you feel like you naturally fell right back into it or it's taken you some time to adjust to like having the bigger crowds and, you know, such a stark contrast? Yeah, I don't know. I think I lapsed back into it, you know, like because for me, one of the things about the way I sort of view what it is that I do in terms of like you know, being a singer songwriter and a, you know, I, I write songs, record songs and then go perform my songs, whether it's. 20 people or 200 people or 2000 people with a symphony orchestra or something. To me, it's all about that song and delivering that song and hoping that people will feel something from that song or connect to the song, you know, and, and get out of it what they will. So I'm less concerned about the numbers of people. I, I've never been really concerned about the numbers of people listening, really, which is why I really enjoyed the backyard shows, you know. Um, so it didn't do to that. I don't think it took me too long to get back into it. You know, I think it felt like, oh, you know, just more people this time inside, uh, hoping and I hope they can connect with these songs. Here we go. You know, that's amazing. What a cool experience. And I think probably something that is long term going to be able to have such a positive influence on your career because it taught you so much. Like, I think everybody learned the power to adapt in a really, you know, I don't know. It's like the struggle builds beauty and all of the whatever pressure builds diamonds whatever you'd like to yeah 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 it was a little bit cold that's for sure if you weren't a musician what do you think you would be doing because I know you have a degree in piano but do you also have another degree in plant biology I do (laughs) so very different ends of the spectrum tell us so odd I know (laughs) but you know I mean the the bio the bio degree came from when I went to university I was just in general arts and science because I just didn't really know what I I I got my piano degree when I was 19 and then and then I then I went off to, to do like a some uh, some other university studies because I kind of had burnt out on classical piano or 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 I, I had realized I'd reached the end and I, there was no way I wanted to be nor could be a classical performing pianist and I was like well there therefore music is done now I'll go do something else and I just pr- would went into a general arts and science program and uh, kind of gravitated to biosciences because honestly I thought I was going to be a dentist. 
you have great teeth. So you were inspired. So, wow. so but anyway, I, I, I got out of that mindset pretty quick, but then I was already on this biology train, you know, and I quite enjoyed biology, the plant stuff, maybe because I grew up on a grain farm. I don't know. But um, I just, you know, I just kind of finished the degree. And the thing I liked about it was I got to kind of take a lot of the bio stuff, but you got to do all these other things like sociology and psychology and history and philosophy and all these things that I just loved, you know. Then I got this <clears throat> BSc um, and uh, had a brief stint working in, in, for the National Research Council in a lab and just hated it. I just, just completely did not like it. I was like, I'm out of here. But then I was like, well, what do I do? So it took it took a twist of fate, but I got this job in marketing in in Toronto. Um, so, and I really enjoyed the marketing job. It was with a kind of a, a big company. So, I, I think if I if something were to happen, like if my arms got chopped off in an accident or with a saw or something, you know, I think I'd go back to marketing. I really think I would. Like, let's dear God, let's hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> Jeffrey's in his own horror movie. Cool. <laughs> I love hearing about how people's careers have developed like that you went from music but I think that probably shows your true love for it it like pull, naturally pulled you back it's where you were supposed to be so at what age did you start doing music professionally then um it would have been that's a good question how do I think about this that would have been say I would have been 29 like late really mm. like many people time. start like slugging around with their guitar or whatever when they're like you know 21 and they whatever I mean I I got my had my piano degree, got my science degree, went to Toronto, worked for some years, and then and then and then I just sort of discovered this singer songwriter scene in Toronto with with well, with all these like people who were like kind of honestly like kind of mediocre musicians, but ninja wordsmiths, and it it had never dawned on and. and most like I'd never heard of them before, you know, and it had never really dawned on me because I'd sort of had grew up in this classical music world, never dawned on me that this was a thing. You could be this like small time singer songwriter person with your own songs and you don't need to be Justin Bieber to eke out a living in the music business, you know, like, so I had my eyes really open to possibility, you know, and I also think I saw it because I wanted to see it. Like, I, I think we're presented with a lot of things in our life. We are, we are, we're presented with a lot of things in our life. And I think the ones we see are the ones we allow ourselves to see. And uh, so that, you know, then that, that's when I realized I was like, there might be something here, but I had this sort of, I needed the kick in the pants though, to leave the job that had the regular paycheck to go attempt to try to earn a living being a singer songwriter. And, and it was, a visit to a great aunt in an old folks home in Etobicoke near, near Toronto. And she had dementia or I think Alzheimer's technically. And I had seen her some years before and she was fully functioning. And this time we went and visited her and she, I was with my, my grandma who was her sister and she didn't know my grandma anymore. Like, like my grandma turned to me and said, she doesn't know who I am. I can tell. And, and it just hit me like a brick wall or it was like, I ran into a brick wall that I thought was like, our days are numbered you know and it, and we all we all know this but we all like we all like we all pretend we're immortal and then but that day i was like nope the clock will stop ticking someday you know like i was I, and it sounds morbid but it's also very real and i was like given that that is something i now firmly have in my head why would i not do the thing i really want to try like why would i not try it and like, there was no reason I could think of. So I, w I walked out of that old folks home, called my boss and quit my job. Like it was like this, this thing, you know? Wow. It was crazy. 
I mean, what an amazing story. And I would argue that your great aunt is probably very grateful that despite her unfortunate health shift, which Alzheimer's and dementia is just, I don't wish it on anyone or anyone's oh. family. Like just, it's absolutely atrocious, but for you to have had something so positive come out of that experience, that's very cool. Yeah, it was, it was really something I will never forget it. You know, my, my grandma was there, my mom was there and my mom's sister, they all knew this Aunt Mary uh, really well. Um, and it was just this day. It was so like, I can literally see the paint on the wall, the drapes on the window. I can see the nightgown she was wearing. Like it's so vivid in my mind. And yet I can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday. Like, you know, it, it was a really important turning point for me. Um, for what, you know, whatever reason. Fundamental moment. Uh, my brother once told me he's not going to do it so I can share it. He had an idea for a podcast. Also, he doesn't listen to the podcast. So this is why <laughs> he had an idea for a podcast, literally highlighting stories exactly like that, where it's like kind of what is that TSN turning point moment in your life? Like, it seems like everybody has these huge, and he even had a name in it for it, but I don't remember. But anyways, it's like everybody has these like, yeah, brick wall moments for lack of a better word, where it's like, that's the day, like everything changed yeah. or, you yeah. know, wow. I, and I mean, this is, it, maybe it's easy for me to say because I had the experience. I think having talked to people, like I, I love to talk to people everywhere I go and I've, you know, I meet a lot of people doing what I do. I think everyone gets presented with these things and some are ready to accept it and some aren't. And, and why that is, I don't know, that's like pretty almost, you know, metaphysical sort of thing. It's pretty, pretty crazy, but, but I mean, we're all given signs and we either, acknowledge it or look the other way, you know, like I, I could have maybe ignored that day. Actually, I don't think I could have, but I mean, you know, I maybe like, you know, it's, 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 it's weird. Yeah, when I think I about mean, what, what my life would be without that day. Yeah. Listening to your gut. I mean, I really do think we're trained not to listen to our gut. And I think there is, I think this is like societally generally, but even more so in rural communities where we are a little bit afraid of things that aren't the normal nine to five and the structure and the security of the marketing job. And, you know, I always say like, I feel very lucky that I've always been an entrepreneur. I never worked full-time for someone else. And wow. I'm, I'm thrilled because I'm sure it would have been incredibly challenging for me to have had that security and then move away from it into entrepreneurship, you know, because we feel like we have this safety net. But I think one of the beautiful things that maybe came out of COVID among, you know, I think there were many beautiful things that were able to come despite a lot of disaster is that people saw that nothing's secure, like even the yeah. most secure jobs are not secure. So like you said, life is short. Our days are numbered. Do what you're passionate about. And you don't have to be 19. You can be 29. You can be 39. You can be 49. Like I would never have known you started your musical career at 20. I would have just assumed you've been doing this your entire life. Well, and I mean, as you were talking, something that popped in my mind here too was just it. I think this kind of links all to, to mental health because the mental health theme, where you know we, we we touched on earlier, because like there's it is it we we are taught to ignore our gut, and we are we're we're all kind of taught, maybe not directly, but certainly in a roundabout way. I think in the school system, we're taught what security is, and and we're we're all taught that security is the goal. Like you know, like we're not as we're not as rigid as our, as our parents' generation. It was like, get a job, stay with it forever, get the pension and die. Like that, that was kind of, that's literally what the previous generation's mantra was, you know, and now, but we're still kind of taught like one should strive for security. The more secure you are, the better you are. And, you know, it's like, and what's, what's the, sort of the, the slash blank line that you fill in is fewer risks are better, like in a way. And, and, you know, and, and, I, and, and, and so I went through a long, I, I quite enjoyed my very secure marketing job for a while until I sort of saw the light, you know, and I think 
link the part where it links to mental health is I think so the more healthy you are in, in your head to, to sort of have a feeling of groundedness and who you are I think that enables those decisions I I, re I really do it's all it's all part and parcel like you know it it, it I think it it this this stuff comes full circle because for even a minute ago I was like oh we kind of got off topic here but I but I don't think we did you know like I I was like I didn't want to lead you astray but I make mean, this does make sense you know if anything, I'm probably leading you astray. No, I think it's perfect. And I mean, even talking about how you mentioned like that your eyes weren't really open to the fact that you could be a smaller scale entertainer. You don't have to be a Justin Bieber. You're able to live your passion as a musician. You don't have to be a billionaire. And arguably, I think that there is a lot of probably lack of fulfillment, like being in that that level of fame and, and spotlight and pressure. And, you know, when we think about security, we often are thinking only about finances. And I think about it all the time, you know, how many people are, would be so much happier making X amount of dollars less just to do something they love and how much more that would value and benefit them in their physical and mental health. Like you can't put a price on not being miserable in what you do every single day and waking up. And, you know, I feel incredibly privileged to never wake up and feel like what I do is work ever. I, I, yeah. I struggle to even say like, I'm working or this is my job. Like, I'm just so lucky to be doing this. So yeah. Oh, amazing. So 29. And how old are you now? It's a big secret. I'm, I'm 48. You look at what, what this baby spinach is working. Yes. <laughs> we got, well, I'm going to share. I said, I never share the video. I'll share Jeffrey's video. So you can see that he looks like a spring chicken. Like what I would <laughs> never imagine. <laughs> amazing. But you know, like running sleep, I would say doing what you love every day. Like when you're yeah, living in joy and being fulfilled by what you do. I think that makes a big difference. Well, you know, and, and like, you know, we should just let's dwell there for like a quick second. I don't know how much time we have left, so I won't take too long. But I mean, you know, when you asked about what are the things that I'm doing to try to to try to look after my mental health, I feel blessed not to overuse a, a, a word or a phrase, but to do something that I too haven't considered work since the moment I started it. Like, I wake up and I love what I do. Like, I love it. I even love the drudgery part of like doing a grant application. Like, you know, it, it's all, it's all fine. You know, I, I, I'm in that cause that enables more music for me, you know? So in terms of keeping, you know, tabs on and, and doing maintenance work on my mental health, I do feel lucky that I'm in this place where every day I wake up and I just love what I do. Like, you know, and, and then we spend a lot, an awful lot of, a lot, awful lot of our life doing what we do, you know? So, and I happen to, to love my tasks. So I think that really helps. Yeah. Well, like you said, we spend a, a third or a quarter of our life sleeping. Most of the rest of it is working and not that much time is left for enjoyment when we, you know, really break it all down. So do you feel like your, your wellness or your day-to-day -day life changes when you're in Toronto versus Regina? And I would love to know just are you spending more time in Regina now because of what had happened with COVID or how did you end up spending more time closer to home? I was I was shifting my time over very organically, not what not even a conscious choice over time <clears throat> to spending more time in Regina. Um, part of it was music related in that I like I have there's just there for whatever reason between BC to Winnipeg, I've just had way more opportunities manifest themselves. I, I certainly have had some Toronto and East too, and there are some and I tour there too. But just somehow out here there there have been more. Um during the pandemic, three months in, I fell in love with a with a Ooh. with a lad from Moose Jaw after 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 living in Toronto for all those so years, in the big city with all those great 
men trotting all over the streets. I fell in love with a farmer from Moose Jaw. So there you go. Amazing. It all came full circle. It all came full circle. And, you know, we're, we're very much in love and he's a lovely guy. And, um. uh, and, and I, you know, love spending time together. So that, that has, that has now meant I'm here even, you know, even more and, you know, probably forever, you know, like it, it's Holy. been a really good thing. We were oh, technically, it was, a, it was a, a, a contraband relation, uh, start to a relationship because we weren't supposed to be seeing other people at the time, but uh, I broke all the rules and invited him for a, a fire in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Socially distanced, I'm sure. <laughs> we kept uh, our distance until we didn't. <laughs> 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 oh, that's amazing. See, lots of good things happened during COVID. So did you, how did you connect? Virtually originally? Virtually originally. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was it was like some combination of, of Facebook and other like uh, there was one dating app and and just, but it was actually mostly just like Facebook, yeah. actually. Again, like just even little things like that. <clears throat> 25 years ago, nobody had that, you know, like nope. there's no dating apps. No farmers only, no. Yeah, no, and particularly, like, particularly in in the LGBTQ two S plus community, there certainly were. It was certainly even more difficult to meet someone. Never mind, not in, in a pandemic, because you 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 had to go to the bar, like the club right. in Regina. There's one, and I mean, during the pandemic, obviously that was closed. So then what? Yeah, and that's the thing where I think social media can be really toxic to mental health, and I think that it can be an incredible resource. If you're utilizing it right, you know, like if you've curated it to be right for you, um, because you can create those communities and that connection for yourself, right. That like, otherwise you, yeah, people just wouldn't have. So, okay. That's amazing. And this is totally offside, but I'm very curious to know about this situation of people bringing pies and baking. (laughs) (laughs) You're like baby spinach by the bag, but something about people bringing you pies to your shows. What is the story behind this? Well, it it started in the fall of 2019, and then I did this tour around Saskatchewan, and the and the very first and it was like this 20 day tour. And uh, the first show, this lady in Shawinigan, Saskatchewan, made this peach pie that was perfect. It was like out of some you know home, better home and home, home homes and gardens, home and living, country garden, whatever they call that magazine. That's sort of amazing thing. <laughs> and she baked this peach pie, and it was like massive. It was like the size of a smart car, like the, huge, and it had the cross, like the the cross yeah, the dough lettuce. on top, and and glaze. Like it was, and it tasted like a million bucks. Anyway, put a picture of this pie on Facebook and said, oh my God, did the first show of the tour in Shonovan. Look what they gave me. And I was not fishing for more pie. I was like being grateful for pie. So what happened was every subsequent tour stop, they were like, well, we better make them a pie. <laughs> so, oh so literally God. I got 20 pies. So, and, but, but, but people kept, but I kept, you know, because there came a point when I couldn't not post a picture because people started to be like, well, what did you get at this one? Like, it, it, it became like almost like this self-fulfilling. This, it was kind of a monster, you know? <laughs> so I'll never forget, by the time I got to the show in Tisdale, they brought out a tray of dainties on a piece of plywood. <laughs> like, it, was, <laughs> it was so big. It was a, and I was like, I think Tisdale wins. <laughs> like, it, was, it was pretty crazy. Good work. It becomes, yeah, a local Saskatchewan battle of the pies. Battle oh, of the that's... pies. So funny. And then and then last summer with my backyard, the backyard tour, the pie theme continued and 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 just sort of became, well, I guess, you know, Jeffrey's here today. There better be a pie. And I mean, there was never is it being like, you know, where's my pie? That was never stated, you know, but these <laughs> pies were appearing and then people started bringing pies and leaving them on my front step at my house in Regina. Anyway, it, it, it was it was pretty lovely. It was pretty lovely. Oh, my goodness. Next time you're in Saskatoon, I'm making you a pie. 
I don't know if I'll beat the lady from Tisdale because the peach pie sounds fairly impressive, but oh, that's so sweet. And gives you like a slight extra motivation to run. I know we're saying it's mostly for mental health, but also oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot. Oh, yeah. Of yeah. yeah. Um, I, I realized the absolute physical necessity of running with all those pies. I mean, I um, ate a lot of those pies. Well, yeah, I shared a little bit, but yeah. hurt anyone's feelings. You have to try all 20. Well, yes. so speaking of that, I mean, like it just speaks volumes about your community and obviously community is so important to you. And like, I think especially your involvement with Telemiracle, which is a big part of your life. How, like, how do you balance that? Because I think there's probably some expectation too, like in terms of you're a community leader. How do you feel like you balance that with like taking care of yourself and giving back? And is there anything specifically that you're passionate about like amongst Telemiracle? Well, the, the one, the, the trickiest thing amongst all that that is very much related to mental health and I'm kind of struggling with it a little bit right now is um, probably it's some combination of, of, uh, of having done so many shows around the prairies and then also the annual Telemiracle broadcast just to, you know you're you're on there singing songs and being a host and doing all those things so many people learn about you that what ends up happening and it's 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 kind of lovely on the one hand but it's a curse on the other is you get all these invitations to do like would you come and sing at my uh show or and, and i'm specifically meaning like we're doing a benefit for this would you would you do a performance and i mean if i honestly if i did every one of those shows i would be doing benefits 200 days a year, you know, like, like, and, and I don't, and I, I obviously don't want to say no, um, but I have to, and I feel terrible. And then, you know, I once read a, a quote, Jan, Jan Arden once said, and she said, uh, you know, she, she also way more than me, she gets asked to do like a million benefits a year. And she said, if I did a benefit for everything, I would have zero value to anybody. Like, so she had to, she has, she's had to choose one or two causes and do those really well. Um, I haven't chosen really well yet. You know, I, I do all sorts of things for Telemiracle, but there are other things I, I do shows for, you know, but I'm, I have, I have been having to say no more. And it's, it's really painful for me to be like, no, I can't do your benefit. Cause I know it's, it's an important cause. Um, and, but I just, I can't do them all. And so that's, that's hard, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think there is like, that's a lot of pressure as a, public figure, right? I think that's a really great point too, because it's setting boundaries is a, a big conversation around like mm -hmm. mental health and energy, and even just your value as an artist and, and an entrepreneur, you cannot be everything to everyone and you would sacrifice yourself, right? So I think it's an art to know when to say no. And I'm yeah. a big proponent of the, you know, better to like disappoint someone else with a no sometimes than like disappoint yourself or like run yourself down with a yes, because you just can't, you can't do it all. And that's a great problem to have. Like what a, it's an amazing compliment to be invited, you know, to be able to do so much good work and you're doing it, you know, you are doing it and doing it with kids as well. So you're at with Camp Firefly and then you just did a classroom workshop as well. And that was yeah. specifically with like younger musicians. Well, they were actually just, they were young uh, music students in an elementary school. They were grade three and four kids, students in Etonia, Saskatchewan, at the Eaton School in Etonia, Saskatchewan. Um, and their music teacher, uh, Deidre Weidel, um, uh, had sorted out that her grade threes and fours were going to sing a song at the town's 100th anniversary on July 2nd this summer. And she she had some old, she found some old folk song that they were going to sing. It's just a funny old folk song about a guy collecting gopher tails to sell them to buy new clothes. It's really funny. And then she thought, we should try to have a song about the town turning 100. And then she asked, she mentioned this to some other music teacher. 
who I had done one of these workshops with in Swift Current. And she said, oh, call Jeffrey Straker. So she called me up and, and, and she and the beauty of someone wanting to do one of these in the school is it happens on a weekday during the day. So those are generally kind of open. Um, and so off I went to Etonia and worked for a whole day with these you know, these kids who were so motivated and excited to make a song from scratch. And, you know, and by the end of the day, they had a new song that they'd written. They learned it. They were singing it. You know, and then we had 10 minutes left at the end of the day. We played on the monkey bars and I got in my car and drove home. Like It was this really great day. Oh, how fun. That's amazing. And I mean, I think things like that, like those re-energize you as well. And it breaks up like your normal day to day. And I'm sure you draw a lot of inspiration from that just creatively, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, 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 in those moments when you see these young people like getting that pure joy out of writing their first song, like it just reinvigorates everything, you know, because you can kind of lose track of that. You know, after a while, even though I, I did mention I there's a, I do a lot of like to, to keep this stuff going, there's a lot of admin work and I do enjoy it, but you can kind of forget the joy of the actual music making part, because it kind of over time becomes less and less of what you do, you know, but to plop yourself into that situation where you see these people creating their first song and the, and the, the level of energy they get, it's just, you know, it just fills your tank. Yeah. Well, and imagine, you know, like you didn't really discover that scene until you're in your late twenties, like for yep. these kids to be seeing at like nine and 10 years old, like, and what a gift to, to help plant that seed for kids, I think is just so well, for anybody of any age, but I think for kids, that's so priceless, you know, and it's, it's kind of a hope, like, like, you know, before we get into the actual writing part, I tell them what I do for my job. And, and, you know, here's, this is my work. And, and I mean, and I, and as I'm saying that to these, and I only get to do about say two or three of these in a classroom a year, because it's, you know, it's, you gotta, like you said, you can't say yes to everything. But every time I'm talking about it, I do think back to me being in that class and I'm, I'm always like, I wish someone would have came into my class and said this to me, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, I, I, it, it, I sort of remind myself of, you know, the importance of one of these days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And to, to say like, this is an option as a career, it doesn't have to be yeah. farming. It doesn't have to be dentistry or marketing yeah. or, you know, yeah. So amazing. And I know that there's a lot of organizations supporting you in return. And you talk a lot about work with creative Saskatchewan, helping yeah. you with performing and grants. And so how much is that a part of like, how important is that to what you do the grant writing process? Because that's not something that I know anything about and wouldn't have even like been on my radar that you're obviously doing this paperwork, et cetera, you know, like admin side of things in the background. I mean, there's always, there's, there's grants you can apply for. We're quite blessed in Saskatchewan actually with Creative Saskatchewan, but there's, there's national level ones too with different organizations. And, you know, we all kind of apply to all of them and you not touch wood and hope for the best. But, you know, if you're going on a tour, you can get a grant that covers say half of your tour costs. And if you're going to make a record, you can get a grant that'll pay for half of your record costs. And the reason that this funding exists um, is because I think everyone nods their head and knows that the return, like the amount you have to invest is so big that, yeah, the, mo the money you make is a decent living, but you've invested so much to earn that, to earn that living that it's not a very good equation. So the, the grants enable the living, you know what I mean? And it's not, so it's not some, I mean, I wouldn't want people to walk away from it and think like, oh, these musicians getting all these grants, you know, all this free money. It's not that at all. You know, it's just the society has realized the importance of art and art and music reflects back to society itself. So we can all take a look at it and you know, look at it in a mirror and hopefully look at it in a different way and become better at understanding ourselves. We've all realized the value of that, I hope. Um, so these grants enable that process. They enable 
us to see ourselves. And, and so, you know, so, and so, you know, doing the paperwork to apply for them takes a bit of time. Now, thankfully, all these organizations over time have really worked at reducing the amount of drudgery to, you know, to, to get into their funding, funding system. And, and I appreciate that, but it's still a bit of work. Yeah. It's not all pies and glamour, you know, it's not, <laughs> no, pie, not glamour monkey bars and Etonia. It's not yeah. all that, is it? <laughs> but I think too, it's, it's so important and because it keeps musicians and artists like you keeps people from feeling like they have to leave Saskatchewan because there are opportunities here. So speaking of opportunities, you have a busy summer ahead. So tell me what you're working on in terms of music and what's coming up with your schedule, backyard concerts, any other concerts? I've got a busy summer of shows right into the fall. Um, across Saskatchewan, Alberta, and Ontario, uh, lining a few up in the Maritimes as well. And it's an inter interesting mix. Like last summer was all backyard shows. This summer, it's like some festivals, some, there's a couple of house concerts in there. There's some indoor venues, um, in, in, just an interesting mix of shows. It's really fun. Uh, into the fall, the shows move indoors. And then in November, I'm doing a tour of England, which is gonna be really fun, uh, where I'll take my running gear. Um, and then come December, I do an annual sort of run of holiday shows, um, uh, a couple big ones at the the a big venue in Regina, and then um, uh, then a couple around the province as well. A few in Saskatoon at the basement. The Regina ones are at the Casino Show Lounge, and they're kind of they're people love Christmas, and the Christmas music is so great, and it takes people back in time to their childhood invariably, and and I love doing those shows, you know. So really, my touring year out till Christmas is now planned um and then and i've been doing a lot of writing because the pandemic gave me a lot of time to think and uh so i've been with all that writing there's going to be a new recording i gotta sort that out um yeah it's it's, it's really busy actually wow how exciting it, it reminds me of one more thing though uh just sort of linking this in the writing process to mental health stuff one of the weird benefits i've discovered uh, several, several years ago i discovered this of running is uh, for me, I've discovered when I'm really in tune with myself that when I'm in motion running, that my brain kind of shuts off. Uh, like it, it, for whatever reason, it stops being conscious and it moves into the subconscious. And my head is flooded with ideas for songs that I've been processing in the back. And when I'm running, they burble to the surface. So I'm constantly recording voice memos when I run or stopping to do stretch and typing into my phone because I've discovered this weird way to access my subconscious. And I thought I was a total freak of nature doing this until I heard Margaret Atwood talk about this. And she has this exact same thing when she irons her clothes. When wow. she's ironing her clothes, her brain just turns off and her ideas just verbal through and she, you know, she starts writing things down. So it's a funny thing, this you know, accessing your subconscious. Into that flow state. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, that's so cool. And okay. So I'm already like way over time, but I could talk I'm to you all day. So no, I'm sorry. You've got places to be songs, right? But I want to it. I always wrap up with a few rapid fire questions and I would love to know who is your biggest role model? Oof, my biggest role model. Oh, I'm going to have to think about this for one second. I'm, uh, I'm going to say it's Joni Mitchell. And it's Joni Mitchell because she wrote song, she wrote what she felt. And I don't think she was trying to please anybody. And, and through writing what she felt from her heart, she invariably found a massive connection with a whole bunch of people. 
Yes. What is your favorite Joni Mitchell song? <sighs> a Case of You. Mine too. <laughs> no. Yeah. Do you know what? I actually have a Christmas playlist and for whatever reason, that's like on my Christmas playlist. So now I associate that song with Christmas, which I don't know what that says about me. It's but... totally not a Christmas song, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh yeah. It's a very eclectic, non-traditional Christmas playlist. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, okay. And I want to, this is an extra bonus question for you. Who is your favorite artist other than Joni Mitchell or like, who are you loving right now? Any, any favorites? Yeah, I'd say um, someone I'm listening to a lot is Jason Isbell. Um, he's an, he's a Americana he, uh, singer, songwriter, guitar player. He's from the States, um, Nashville, I, I think. Um, and, and it's actually not even his newest record. A couple of records ago, he had this these two records. So I just find the songs, and it's not even like they're anything about that I particularly like. They're not about me or like, I, I don't see myself in them. I just think the, the storytelling and the melodies and the music is so raw and perfect that I find it aspirational, you know? Okay, I'm gonna to have to listen. Thank yeah. you. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, the best advice I've ever received. Um, maybe two things. So one is was from Sylvia Tyson in a venue in Toronto about twenty. You know, say I'll say twenty five years ago. I was I was at a little show in the Rivoli in the back room, Toronto on Queen Street West. I literally crossed paths with Sylvia Tyson, and uh, I told her I was just starting to started out in songwriting because I just felt like I should tell her this. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she said, I'll tell you something. She said, just stick with it. She said, most people can't stomach the rejection. There's going to be endless rejection. If you can stick it through the rejection, you will do well. Ooh, good advice. So she's basically saying, grow a thick skin, punk. Yeah. And you followed your gut. You were meant to tell her that so you could get that advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other, the other piece of advice, this isn't really advice, but there, when I did, I did a show in a park in Yorkton uh, last summer. Uh, uh, and then after that, we went and did a show for an old uh, people in an old folks home because the, 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 the community wanted the old people to have some live music too. And when the show was done, this lady uh, came up to me and she was dressed up all, you know, dressed to the nines and she looked great. And she was quite, she was quite old. And uh, she said, thank you for the show. I really enjoyed that. And I said, oh, you're so, you're so kind. I said, and you look like a million bucks. And she said, uh, well, I'll tell you something. When you get to be my age and you look in the looking glass, you realize one thing. They don't make mirrors like they used to. <laughs> and so, and I realized, you know, one thing we all have to realize is that over time, we're going to lose our luster a little bit, but there's no reason for pause in that. It's just, it's oh, just what happens. I love it. And best book or resource you'd re recommend to people? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Are you a reader? I'm I'm kind of a reader, but but it's very intermittent. And I'll tell you what I read. I read a book recently. No, it wouldn't be that one. You know, I read I read The Handmaid's Tale recently, and uh, and uh, I, I should I should say I reread it, <clears throat> and it just reminded me of uh, so many things that that are important in. I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of seeing some of them manifest themselves now. It's so, it's so ridiculous. The book was written as a pure piece of fiction. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many lessons to be learned in, in that book and so many reminders about how to treat other people and um, embrace everybody and embrace difference. And yeah, it, it, it's a gooder. Yeah, good one. And what's your personal mantra or words you live by? I think it's treat each day like it's the last one. Oh, so good. Yeah. What a great, great way to end. And finally, 
very importantly, for everyone who wants to learn more about you, follow along, have the opportunity to attend a backyard concert, maybe with Pi, where do they find you? No promises. <laughs> no promise on the pie. Yeah, on the pie. I'll promise your all of your audience's pies are gonna be so disappointed. Everyone closed <laughs> that one. Like, where's the pie? No, but but all my I keep my concert calendar updated at jeffstraker.com. Even though I go by Jeffrey, uh, it's jeffstraker.com. And there's an upcoming shows tab, and all the shows are listed there. And there's there's quite a few concerts that are public shows this summer, as opposed to just the sort of private backyard ones. So if people want to come, um, please come and please also mention that you might have heard about uh heard about them through this podcast that'd be great yes and what about instagram you're big on it well and tiktok what's your instagram TikTok? oh yeah my tick my instagram and tiktok are the same at jeffrey straker no no underscore it's just all jeffrey straker both have jeffrey straker imposters now which i take as some kind of weird backhanded you're really compliment. Famous. but yeah. they have people <laughs> pretending to be me, which I don't understand the end game. It's pretty ridiculous. But, but I, I'm I'm uh, in Instagram. I've been on for quite a while. I post stuff there. But I'm kind of newish to the TikTok. But I've got you know I post different things on TikTok. So if people want to follow, like you know, there's, there's two very different ways to to see what I'm doing. There. Yes, I will link all of your pages, and we'll make sure we link the proper ones. And I have to just say, I was roaring yesterday over the rural Saskatchewan directions. I'm like, if you know, you know. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Perfect. So maybe we'll like link that TikTok too, but I can't thank you now for spending so much of your time with me today. I'm so grateful to get to know you. I can't wait to come to a show and thank you for sharing how you keep yourself well. This was lovely. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to share this with people on social media too. Okay. Well, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Jeffrey and I. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. And I would love for you to rate, review, and share the podcast so more people can find us. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about this episode and all previous episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.